Oh my gosh, if you guys have not seen Chris Rock and Snoop Dogg comment on Olympic wrestling, go back and watch it. Funniest thing I've ever seen. Just not part of the sermon, but I was deeply moved. <laughs> Might be the most important thing I tell you this morning to go back and watch that. No, it's not. Okay, um, good morning. Today we're continuing in part two of the Lazarus story. Last week in the passage, we studied Lazarus had died. Jesus heard that Lazarus was ill and about to die before Lazarus had died. And he intentionally waited an additional two days before leaving to see him. Remember those puzzling words. Now Jesus, this is John eleven five. 5. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. John preached last week on the so. He stayed two days longer. Why in the world would Jesus, out of love for Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, delay his journey additional two days? If you want to go back and hear the answer to that, just go back to John's sermon last week. But John intentionally broke up this Lazarus passage into two parts. And why is the right question as you're reading through this Lazarus story? Why springs up from your guts if you have a pulse and are listening to this story? So we looked at why did Jesus delay his journey two days last week. But we're going to look at a couple more whys this morning. Why did Jesus weep if he knew Lazarus was about to be raised? Why did Jesus raise Lazarus when he could have kept him from dying? And why did Jesus himself die as we see foreshadowed in the passage today? Why did Jesus weep if he was going to raise Lazarus? Why did he raise Lazarus? And why did Jesus die, as we see foreshadowed today? So please turn to page 897 if you're not there already. And let's look at why number one. Why did Jesus weep? 897. In last week's passage, we read about the interaction between Jesus and Martha And Martha says the same thing to Jesus in verse 21 that Mary is about to say here in verse 32. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And in the midst of Martha's suffering, Jesus comforts Martha with truth. He reveals that he himself is the resurrection. But now we come to the way that Jesus interacts with Mary, and it's totally different. You see, Jesus is the perfect counselor, and he knows just what we need. So what does Mary need? Let's keep keep reading. In verse 28, we see that Jesus is actually calling for Mary. It says that Martha went and called her sister, Mary, saying in private, the teacher is calling for you. Jesus is calling for Mary in the midst of her grief. Jesus knows the sorrow that Mary is facing. And where does Jesus want to be when Mary is suffering? He wants to be with 
Jesus has drawn near to Mary, and now he calls Mary to draw near to him. Jesus has made the journey to see Mary, and now Jesus calls Mary to make a journey to see him. Where is God? Where does he desire to be in the midst of your suffering, church? Near you. I know it doesn't always feel like that. C.S. Lewis notes in A Grief Observed just how distant God can feel sometimes in the midst of our suffering. And I want you to listen to the way that Psalm 88 ends. This is a very peculiar psalm. But listen to the way that Psalm 88 ends. I'm going to read a couple verses. From my youth, I have suffered and been close to death. I have borne your terrors and am in despair. Your wrath has swept over me. Your terrors have destroyed me. It's the last verse. All, oh no, it's not. Psych. <laughs> All day long, they surrounded me like a flood. They have completely engulfed me. Here's the last word. You have taken my friends and my neighbors. Darkness is my closest friend. Psalm over. Done. It doesn't say darkness is my closest friend, but yet I will trust in you, Lord. <laughs> it just says darkness is my closest friend. Over. That's how Psalm 88 ends. With anger towards God for the death of his friend. And it's okay for your prayers to end like that sometimes. Sometimes God feels distant when we're suffering. And you shouldn't feel ashamed or like you're doing something wrong when God seems far in the midst of tragedy. If God feels distant, go and tell him he does. Like Mary in verse 28, rise up quickly and go to him and tell him, where have you been? It's the first words that Mary says to Jesus. Lord, if you had been here, and how does Jesus respond? He doesn't speak truth like he did to, Mary, to Martha. In response to Mary's question, he just weeps. Mary has tears. Jesus doesn't engage with truth with her. Jesus has tears because of her tears. And Jesus is revealing the heart of God the Father here. This is who God is. This is a, Jesus is a revelation of the character of God. And God weeps when the brokenness of the world crashes over you. Why does Jesus weep? Because you weep. And I pray, church, that you would know that deep in your soul. That the Lord weeps because you do. Yes, Lazarus is about to be raised from the dead. But Mary's broken heart still breaks God's heart. And so he weeps. You might be wondering, God, what are you doing? And I don't know what God is doing, but I do know he's weeping. Let's think about the kind of suffering that Mary is experiencing here. 
Mary is in anguish because of the loss of her brother. It's not that she's willingly entered into suffering. Jesus does call us to willingly enter into suffering. He calls us to take up our cross, to choose to die to ourselves. And there are times as disciples of Jesus where we willingly take up our cross, we willingly take up suffering, and we follow Jesus to fight back darkness in the world. But this is not the kind of suffering that Mary is going through. Mary is suffering a kind of suffering that comes as a result of living in a broken world that's full of rebellion against God and full of death. So how does God respond? How do we see Jesus, who's the revelation of God, responding? With tears. Yes, he also is the resurrection. Yes, he also will defeat death. We'll get to that in just a moment. But don't forget, your weeping makes the Lord weep. Jesus loves you so deeply. The Jews notice in verse 36, see how he loved him. Jesus weeps, the Jews know where it's coming from, out of love for Mary. Your suffering makes Jesus weep. We could linger here for the whole sermon, and you might need to return to this in prayer ministry today, but I do want to move on because the passage beckons us on to Jesus' next action. Second, why does Jesus raise Lazarus from the dead? When Jesus arrives at the tomb, he's once again deeply moved, as we saw. It's not just uh, the anger that he feels, uh, or the weeping, he's felt weeping before, but we see again he's angry, and he's angry as we see at death. And, and this is a showdown with death that Jesus is uh, uh, walking into. And, and I want you to know that actually according to the tradition of the early church, at this point, the apostle Thomas pulled out a boombox and started playing Eye of the Tiger. <laughs> That's the soundtrack that should be playing. Um, did it, wait, which one's Eye of the Tiger? I always get dun 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 dun. Okay, got it, got it. I always get that one. There's another one that's in there that I always, uh, anyway. Um, just Rocky, as long as it's Rocky, that's what should be playing in the background for you, right? Jesus is about to go toe to toe with death. A showdown is about to happen. And he tells them, roll away the stone. And Martha says, I mean, it's like, a, it's like the beginning of a WWF match, you know, like so dramatic. Roll away the stone. He's been dead. He's going to stink. I don't roll it away anyway, right? And Jesus then interprets the purpose of this miracle. Why is Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead? For the glory of God. Last week we read in verse 4, this sickness is not meant for death but it is for the glory of God so that the Son of God may be glorified by it. And then Jesus tells Martha here in verse 42, did I not tell you that if you believed you would see the glory of God? And the Bible commentator Rod Winokur points out here, it's not that this miracle is contingent on Mary's faith or Martha's faith, but her belief allows her to see God's glory. The focus here is on the glory of God, and now they get to see it through belief. And what action 
reveals God's glory. Resurrection reveals God's glory. In this act of raising Lazarus from the dead, the Father gets glory and so does the Son. And so Jesus cries out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out! That's all he has to say. And there comes Lazarus walking out of the tomb, wrapped in grave clothes. It's a whole preaching tradition on like, take off your grave clothes. We just can't get that <laughs> there now. But the, here's Lazarus coming out wrapped in his grave clothes. Jesus says, take them off of him. But, but you see, God is pointing to this ultimate resurrection of the Son. And do you see how beautifully John, the gospel writer, is captioning, capturing this theme here? The gospel writers are like award-winning directors of documentaries about the same person. And, and here we look, and, and look what John is showing through this moment here. It's a foreshadowing of Jesus' death and resurrection. God is glorified when death is defeated. And Lazarus is the beginning. You, you, have, you haven't seen anything yet. Lazarus rising from the dead is just a little skirmish on the victory road to the defeat of death. John Stott actually calls this a resuscitation and not a resurrection, interestingly, because Lazarus will die again. He hasn't received a body that at this point is immune to death. But Jesus' resurrection will defeat death itself. And again, we see the literary beauty of John. Look how he's connecting the death of Lazarus to his ultimate death and resurrection. John takes us straight from the scene of Lazarus being raised from the dead right over to the scene of the Pharisees and the chief priests talking about Jesus' uncommon forthcoming death. So we've talked about why does Jesus weep? Because you weep. Why does Jesus raise Lazarus to glorify God and to point to his ultimate resurrection? Now let's look at why Jesus had to die, because it's right here in the text. Why did Jesus have to die? And so for a fresh perspective on this, we're just going to answer that question from this chunk of the text. Let's see this tension in John's gospel right now. So Jesus' poll numbers are really good, right? Everybody's starting to believe in Jesus. He's becoming more and more popular. And this Lazarus miracle raises his popularity even more. And here's a problem arising from the perspective of the chief priests and the Pharisees. I need to give you a little bit of historical and political background here. The Jewish people living in Judea are ruled by King Herod, a king who has some Jewish background, but is fundamentally a puppet for Caesar. The Romans used local people as puppet kings all the time. So as you are a Jewish person living under Israel, during the time of Jesus, your king looked like you. And actually, your tax collectors looked like you too. And the Romans, they did this all the time. They made the local people play bad cop, right? It was a very effective tool for the Romans to govern. They could keep their control 
giving the people just a sense, enough of a sense of autonomy to keep them from rebelling against Rome. But if the people eventually got fed up with the puppets and a ground up rebellion arose, then you had a revolt on your hands and Rome would have to come in and quash the rebellion. So the Jewish chief priests here and the Pharisees wanted to make sure they were backing the guy who could actually win against Rome if they were going to rebel against Rome. They wanted the winning guy to be on their team. And they were always on the lookout to squash Jewish rebellions so they could kind of keep their place as intermediaries until they were able to find a guy who was on their team and they could back to defeat Rome. And Jesus was not the guy they wanted to back because Jesus knew the game they were playing. Jesus saw that their desire was ultimately to preserve their own power and not honor God. So Jesus set himself against him. But now everyone is starting to believe in Jesus. Do you see the tension here? There was no frame of reference in their minds for a messianic figure who was not going to bring a sword. They think Messiah equals violent rebellion against Rome. So they're starting to get very nervous. And that's why in verse 48, the Jewish leaders come to the council and say, what are we to do? For this man performs many signs. If we let him go on like this, everyone will believe in him. And the Romans will come and take away both our place and our nation. And Caiaphas, the high priest, essentially says, hey, you idiots, we got to kill him. We either kill him now or he leads a rebellion and Rome destroys our whole nation. But while that was Caiaphas's intent, John shows us that the word is actually prophecy. You see, when Caiaphas spoke of Jesus dying for the whole nation, Caiaphas was thinking on political terms. But when Caiaphas said, it is better for you that one man should die for the people, not that the whole nation should perish, there was something much deeper going on here. Jesus was about to die. Not so that people could be saved from Rome, but so that people could be saved from death. Jesus was about to die for his own Jewish people, even though the high priests and the Pharisees did not receive him. This is a reference to the prologue in John, John 1 through 11. And then as John 1 through uh, John chapter 1 continues, but to all do, who did receive him, he gave, gave the right to, became, to become the children of God. So what we're seeing playing out right now is exactly what we saw in John 1, in the prologue. Caiaphas is prophesying the exact same thing. It's a parallel. Not only is Jesus going to die for the nation, but in verse 52, but also gather into one the children of God who are scattered abroad. All who did receive him, he gave the right to become the children of God. Right? How will that be accomplished? Through the death of Jesus. Verse 53. So from this day on, they made plans to put him to death. 
So why did Jesus die? So that the whole world, whoever believed in him, would not face ultimate death. He died in our place. And Caiaphas' prophecy, though terribly motivated, was 100% accurate. His intent came from self-interest, and he had zero grasp behind the words that he was saying. But it was true. Jesus faced death so that it would no longer have the final word. And here we see the main point of the Lazarus story, the compassion and the action of God. He weeps over death and brokenness of our world. But he also has plans to defeat death through dying on the cross and rising again. God cares, God acts. You see this theme here in John? John 3.16, God so loved the world, he cares, so he acts, he gives his only son. John gives this theme over and over and over again, and it is foreshadowed kind of most clearly in this picture of Lazarus being raised from the dead. And it forces us to finish John 3.16. Will we believe? Mm. It ends with an upsurge of belief. Will you believe? And I want to end by sharing personally. My beloved uncle Wes died just a month ago. Uncle Wes, he taught me to shoot skeet. He took me fishing in North Carolina on the coast. He was so generous. He was so soft-hearted. He had questions about God. He had questions about the church, but he professed faith in Christ. And during the memorial service, I remember his ashes being placed into the ground and just having a sense of the power of death, that he was gone. Mm. And I wept. Death had stolen him from us unexpectedly. Mm-hmm. We thought we had more time. But there was such a comfort because I knew Jesus was weeping alongside me. And by the grace of God, I was able to weep, but to weep with hope. And here's why. I want to end with two scriptures. This is from 1 Thessalonians 4. Paul writes, And now, dear brothers and sisters, we want you to know what will happen to believers who have died, so you will not grieve like people who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and was raised to life again, we also believe that when Jesus returns, God will bring back with him believers who have died. And to quote Jesus from John chapter 11 in this chapter, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. Weep with hope, church. Amen. Amen.